Hello. This is Mary welcoming you to the 2340th edition of the Enfield Talking Newspaper, dateline 20th of April. The readers this week are Sarah, Joel and Mary, with Hass and Bill on the controls. The editors and production and distribution team are all of us on Team C. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer and performed by Jean-Jacques Perret and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent, Enfield Dispatch and Enfield Borough Over 50s Forum newsletter and are their copyright. The event's information has been collated by us from other sources. The lead story this week is the national test of the UK Emergency Alerts Service, which we will be telling you about shortly. Before the news, we have one or two special news items and notices. First, the sunrise and sunset times for the week beginning 24th of April. Sunrise, 0547. Sunset, 2010. Enfield Vision. We are a group of visually impaired people determined to improve the environment and to reduce the everyday problems of blind and partially sighted people. We are registered with the Charity Commission as an organisation with the specific aim of promoting the well-being of visually impaired people living in Enfield. We hold a drop-in morning on the third Thursday in each month from 10am to 1pm at Park Avenue Resource Centre, Bushill Park, Enfield. Our exercise classes are now running again. Here are the dates for the next few months. Thursday 18th of May, Thursday 15th of June and Thursday the 20th of July. We'll give you uh, further dates uh, in the following weeks. On Sunday 23rd of April at 3pm there will be a national test of the UK Emergency Alert Service. Emergency Alerts is a UK government service that will warn you if there's a danger to life nearby. In an emergency, your mobile phone or tablet will receive an alert with advice about how to stay safe. The government does not need to know your phone number or location to send you an alert. You may get alerts about severe flooding, fires or extreme weather. Emergency alerts will only be sent by the emergency services or government departments and agencies and public bodies that deal with emergencies. What happens when you get an emergency alert? Your mobile phone or tablet may make a loud siren-like sound even if it's set on silent or it may vibrate or read out the alert. The sound and vibration will last for about 10 seconds. An alert will include a phone number or a link to the gov.uk website, that's gov.uk website, for more information. You'll get alerts based on your current location, not where you live or work. You do not need to turn on location services to receive alerts. What you need to do. When you get an alert, 
Stop what you're doing and follow the instructions in the alert. If you're driving or riding when you get an alert, you should not read or otherwise respond to an emergency alert whilst driving or riding a motorcycle. If you are driving, you should continue to drive and not respond to the noise or attempt to pick up the mobile phone and deal with a message. Find somewhere safe and legal to stop before reading the message. If there is nowhere safe or legal to stop close by and nobody else in the vehicle to read the alert, tune into live radio and wait for bulletins until you can find somewhere safe and legal to stop. It is illegal to use a handheld device while driving. If you cannot receive emergency alerts, if you do not have a compatible device, you'll still be informed about an emergency. The emergency services have other ways to warn you when there is a threat to life. Emergency alerts will not replace local news, radio, television or social media. If you're deaf, hard of hearing, blind or partially sighted. If you have a vision or hearing impairment, audio and vibration attention signals will let you know you have an emergency alert. Friendly Communities The Forum believes that Enfield should become an age-friendly borough. An age-friendly community is a place where people of all ages are able to live healthy and active later lives. The idea is to help people to continue to live in their own homes, participate in the activities that they value and contribute to their communities for as long as possible. The age-friendly framework was developed by the World Health Organisation in consultation with older people. The ideal is very much aligned with the forum's mantra of don't speak about us without us. Its thrust is that older people should not be looked upon just as the vulnerable in our societies, but as a resource, a resource that can influence the developments in such important local areas as transport, housing, social participation, respect for outdoor spaces and buildings, social inclusion, civic participation and employment, communication information, community support and health services. Currently, some 50 constituencies and councils have signed up to the network, five of which are London boroughs. The Centre for Better Ageing states that becoming an age-friendly community requires a commitment for five years with an initial baseline assessment and the development of an action plan. Following this, progress is assessed as involvement continues. Membership of the network is free and improvements vary according to local needs. It can simply involve using existing resources better. The benefit of the network's approach is being part of a growing movement with access to contacts, ideas and expertise from other members and across the country. In addition, members can learn from the best practice examples and participate in member-only training and support. The Forum Committee is a strong advocate of this initiative and recommends that our council joins the other London Council's already members. Canines guide the way. Helping visually impaired people travelling on London's transport network with guide dogs. This is an article from Metro on the 18th of April and is illustrated with photographs of a very smiley lady in a red jacket with her black Labrador guide dog. 
Karishma Shah is a daily commuter on London's transport network with the assistance of her guide dog, Hermes. She grew up in Kenya, where travelling independently, independently was not an option, and it was only when she moved to London, where transport is so much more accessible, that she had the freedom to travel and take part in day-to-day -day activities. She explains... Now I am able to live the life I choose and work in the sight loss sector, helping others like me. Hermes and I work in a partnership where I decide where I want to go, what train or bus we are getting on and what streets we are taking. Hermes then helps me manoeuvre around obstacles on the streets, train stations, shops and also around people. Hermes keeps me safe by stopping me from bumping into things. This includes objects in motion, such as traffic, and stopping at the edge of a train platform. These, there are, are things other passengers can also do to make sure that my journey matters and that I can travel to my destination. Without people's cooperation and understanding, I wouldn't be able to get to where I need to be. The article then says to the readers how you can help... Karishma has the following advice to members of the public encountering a person and their guide dog on London transport system. Although Hermes is an escalator trained, it is an incredibly difficult task for dogs to guide somebody down an escalator. One of the things I appreciate from other passengers is allowing us the space and time needed on escalators. This means not pass pushing past or giving me the grump for holding them up. She also highlights why her fellow travellers should make sure the priority seats on a tube or bus are available. This is really important because, firstly, I cannot see if any seats are empty, and secondly, even if there are, I need space for my dog as well as me. So the priority seats are the best for this. When you see someone with a guide dog, please offer them your seat. Also be mindful that their dog needs space too. The rule is not to distract a working guide dog, but Karishma says she always welcomes people who ask if she needs help. This is really supportive, and I usually end up saying yes. Also, sometimes individuals ask if they can say hi to my dog. I'm normally fine with that, if it's appropriate for me and Hermes. However, my advice is do not engage with a dog without asking the owner first. This can be extremely dangerous, especially if they are guiding somebody. Hermes is a pretty fast walker and has to make decisions relatively quickly to avoid me bumping into obstacles. So if you see us together on the network, please move out of the way or risk getting bumped into. If you would like more details about accessible travel on London's transport network, visit tfl.gov.uk forward slash transport hyphen accessibility. That's tfl.gov.uk forward slash transport hyphen accessibility. And now some news from Historic England. Barclays Bank, Enfield Town. Enfield Town Bank boasting world first given listed status. Barclays Bank in Enfield Town has been given a Grade 2 heritage listing, thanks in part to its claim of a world first. The bank launched the world's first automated teller machine, ATM, 
on the 27th of June 1967 and boasts a blue plaque celebrating its place in history as a result. Comedian Rejvani, an Enfield resident at the time, was the first person to use it. It has been announced by Historic England that the Barclays Bank building in the town has now been listed and added to the National Heritage List, protecting it from future development. Sarah Gibson, listing team leader at Historic England, said, Cash machines are now such a normal part of our daily lives, but it was in this elegant bank building in a North London suburb that this new groundbreaking technology was tested and went on to change the world. It's extraordinary to think how much has changed since 1967 when it comes to everyday banking. While our use of cash has fallen in recent years as contactless technology dominates, it still remains a a lifeline to many, and I'm glad to see this building recognised for its contribution to that story of evolution. The bank building's entry on the National Heritage List for England recognises both its historic and architectural significance. The purpose-built bank, originally a branch of the London and Provincial, is a strong work of late 19th century commercial architecture. Built in 1897, it stands on a prominent corner of Enfield Charter Market and its exterior remains largely unaltered. The bank was designed by William Gilby Scott in a style described by architectural historian Nikolaus Pevsner as exuberant Flemish Renaissance. Made of red brick with stone dressings and prominent gables, it is topped by a decorative cupola and small spire. Although the original cash machine at the bank has long since been replaced... A blue plaque was unveiled in 2017 at the spot where it was installed to mark the 50th anniversary. Barclays also turned one of its current cash machines gold. The prototype first used in Enfield functioned differently to today's cash machines. The customer inserted a special paper voucher like a cheque that was punched with dots corresponding to the customer's four-digit pin. Both a signature and pin was needed for authentication and if they matched, a £10 note was issued. This was a major technological development in both banking practice and the growing use of automation within modern society. The Enfield branch was chosen for the ATM because of its mix of customers, its good pavement access, high windows and for being close to the Barclays head office. Pub's six-week refurb. A popular Winchmore Hill pub has reopened after a six-week refurbishment with a fresh look and a new menu. The Salisbury Arms in Hoppers Road welcomed customers again last month and pub staff said they had received positive comments. Changes include an expanded garden area, a toilet revamp and a redesign of the outside sheds. The venue serves pub classics such as chicken and ham pie, fish and chips and Sunday roasts and has added a selection of cocktails to its drinks menu. The pub said that the refurbishment has allowed for the creation of 15 new jobs and claimed that more would be available soon. General Manager of the Salisbury Arms, Adam Packnadel, said, I'm more than happy with the work that has been done to the pub. 
We were very excited to see the plans over a year ago, but to be able to see it come to life has been very enjoyable. Our guest base has received the new look well, and I'm pleased to hear all of the positive comments. From Enfield Council's publication Housing News, particularly aimed at residents in its council flats. Fire evacuation. The Building Safety Act 2022, brought in as a response to the tragedy of Grenfell, requires that the fire brigade has up-to-date information about residents who will need help to safely evacuate in the event of a fire. This information will be stored in a secure information box, which the fire brigade can open to see which flats require their assistance. These boxes are being stalled at all the high-rise blocks in the borough. We need your help to keep this information as up-to-date as possible, so firefighters can go to where they are needed most in an emergency. We would like you to contact us with information which you think will help you and your family to be evacuated if you can't manage to walk out unaided. You can inform your neighbourhood officer or by contacting us at building.safety at enfield.gov.uk That's building.safety at enfield.gov.uk To keep the records up to date, if the person you tell us about no longer needs this help, please let us know about that as well. What kind of vulnerabilities should we tell the fire brigade about? Firefighters need to know if a resident can't escape without assistance, so we'll need to know about mobility, vision or hearing difficulties, or if a person needs guidance or reassurance because of cognitive or learning difficulties. If you feel you might need this type of assistance, get in touch as we can provide further information before an assessment is completed, so that you are happy before any information is shared. To provide the information about our tenants, we have devised a colour-coded indications sheet showing where in the block the firefighters would need to go, with flat numbers showing either red, amber or green. There will be no personal information included. Cost remains a barrier to drivers changing to an electric vehicle. Leading British EV charging and smart energy technology business, Indra, today released the findings from a national survey into the latest attitudes and opinions of UK drivers towards electric vehicles, EV charging and electrification. Key findings from the Indra DEX survey suggest that perceived running and purchase costs are putting the brakes on greater EV adoption, meaning thousands of drivers could be missing out on significant cost savings and environmental benefits from switching their petrol and diesel vehicles for electric models. The survey of over 2,000 UK drivers reveals that despite almost half, 47%, worrying about the environmental impact of driving a petrol or diesel vehicle, costs remain the largest barrier to purchasing an EV, with only 30% of respondents likely to buy an electric car in the next 12 months. 50% cited price as the biggest barrier, although less than a third, 30%, said they were concerned with the lack of public charging points. 
The survey also revealed that many drivers believe petrol cars are the most cost-effective mode of transport over the next 6 to 12 months, 37%, followed by public transport, 18%, and diesel engine vehicles, 18%. EVs came fourth place, with only 16% of those polled believing them to be the cheapest way to travel. The research also revealed that over 59% of those surveyed overestimated the cost for charging an EV, with some believing it could amount to £150 to £200 for a single charge. These perceptions are contrary to real-world findings, where EV running costs are generally much lower than those of petrol and diesel cars, especially when charged at home. For example, the average cost of fueling a petrol 1.5-litre vehicle is £74 for a full tank, equating to approximately 16p per mile. This compares to the average costs to charge a family-sized EV with a 64 kWh battery from empty, estimated to be around £21, when using a standard charger or a standard variable energy tariff. And with the advent of EV-specific tariffs, such as OVO's Charge Anytime tariff at 10p per kilowatt hours, accessed using a smart home charger, such as the Indra Smart Pro, this could drop to below £7 for a full charge, equating to 2p a mile. This means that drivers of petrol vehicles are paying up to eight times more per mile to run their vehicle compared to an EV equivalent. Now an article written by Tony Watts, an executive committee member. Many older people are being disadvantaged as more organisations and local or national government bodies adopt digital-only services, the digital divide. A recent Ofcom report highlighted that some 6% of UK households do not have internet connection. This applied to Albara suggests that around 24,000 houses are in this category. Within this group, there will be those who cannot afford it, those with a limiting condition, homeless, unemployed or some of the forum members' generation who could be categorised as digitally excluded. Undoubtedly, as the population ages, the number without internet connection will diminish. But the downside is that those who remain digitally excluded will be living in a society where services and support networks become digital only. Already we see around us the impact of this trend. The move to a cashless society, many banks closing, online payments when you park your car in Enfield Town, the cashier's counter at the civic centre closing, forcing those who need to pay local taxes to use retail outlets who take cash, getting doctor and hospital appointments or needing to change appointments, call centres becoming overloaded with the result that customers spend long periods waiting to speak to a real person and listening to frightful music and recitals of options open to you if you go to their website. The onward march of the internet age is relentless. For me, the IT age began in 1967 when I was introduced to Algol programming on an Elliott 803 computer. 
1968, I was writing programmes for the London University Atlas computer situated in Gordon Square, London. This computer was one of the largest in the country and was housed in an air-conditioned room larger than the chamber in Enfield Civic Centre. Since then, computer technology advancement has led to desktop computers, laptops, tablets and smartphones, all many times more powerful than the 1960s Atlas computer. And now we read about artificial intelligence systems that promise to further enhance these devices. However, there remain barriers in helping the digitally excluded. Such barriers include people who do not seek inclusion, people are afraid they will be scammed, lack of skills, equipment costs are too high, access costs for telephone internet subscriptions are too high, lack of help and support for those wishing to use these devices, health or disability issues. And such barriers are most prevalent in forum members' age group. Forum volunteers have for many years been helping those struggling with computers, tablets and smartphones by running drop-in sessions. The forum initiated the Enfield Over 50s Job Club to help those unemployed to cope with the demands of the DWP's universal credit system. For those, that can't aff- for those that can afford a smartphone, a real difficulty is adjusting the seemingly endless settings required to use it effectively. To this end, Williams Amope, who manages the job club, is just adding digital inclusion classes to the session he runs at Enfield and Edmonton Libraries. The Palmer's Green and Southgate branch of the University of the Third Age, or U3A, is advertising for new members. Meet new people, learn new things, have fun. Join U3A today. U3A is a UK-wide movement with a network of over 1,000 local U3As run by volunteers. U3A enables members to explore new ideas, gain new skills and take part in enjoyable activities in a very sociable environment. Palmer's Green and Southgate U3A, all welcome wherever you live, is very active with nearly 50 interest groups. The interest groups, each with a convener to facilitate activities, are hugely varied, from books, bowls and bridge, to walking, wine appreciation and world dining. Find a full list of groups and details of how to join at u3asites.org.uk forward slash pgs. That's u3asites.org.uk forward slash pgs. You can try something out in our bite-size activity sessions or join any group for one session before taking out membership. Meetings are held once a month which are open to prospective members. Each meeting features a guest speaker on an interesting topic and provides a social opportunity to meet and chat. There are also one-off occasional events such as a quiz or a Bollywood night. And we have a very popular travel group which organises day trips and short holidays across the country. Palmer's Green Branch meets at Southgate Methodist Church, the Bourne Southgate, N146RS. The phone number to contact for inquiries is 0208-886-3773. That's 0208-886-3773. 
Alternatively, there is the Enfield Group at Enfield Baptist Church, Cecil Road, Enfield, EN2 6TG, and their phone number is 0775 623 9378. That's 0775 623 9378. Work starts to restore and refill Brimfield Park's boating pond. The pond has been left dry and derelict for more than three years. A Palmer's Green Park's popular boating pond is set to be repaired after years of sitting empty because of a broken pump. The pond at Brimfield Park has been left dry since 2020 when blocked pipes prevented it from being refilled from a nearby borehole while the pipe Sorry, while the pump was later also found to be faulty. Last year, Enfield Council warned that restoring and refilling the pond would require significant investment. But the Friends of Brimfield Park Group has now confirmed that repair work is underway. While the council has not commented on the costs involved, funding is said to be secured and repairs to the borehole pump, drainage pipe, pond walls and base will soon allow it to be refilled. Preparatory works have already started and the aim is to now have the boating pond, once used by model boat enthusiasts, refilled with water this summer. The Friends Group say they are seeking further funding to replace the footpath and benches and further develop the area around the pond to once again make it a major feature of the park which also includes a walled garden, bandstand, conservatory, wetlands, orchard and sports facilities. Kim Lumley, co-chair of the Friends of Broomfield Park, said the restoration of the model boat pond in Broomfield Park has been at the top of our action plan for the last five years. This reflects the high level of interest of the local community and members of the model boating club that had sailed the ponds for many years. We're very pleased to be working in a highly effective project group led by Enfield Council and supported by our local councillors, Doug Taylor and Chris James. The council have prioritised funds this year to carry the project through. We are very much hoping and expect to see the pond filled with fresh water from the natural aquifer this summer. And an update from an Enfield Council spokesman on the 17th of April. The council is working closely with ward councillors and the Friends of Broomfield Park Group on developing a scheme to restore the Broomfield Boating Pond. This will include replacing the ageing pump, pipework and concrete repairs to the pond itself. The project will be funded through grants and council funds and is currently at feasibility stage. It is anticipated the works will be completed during this financial year. Pros and cons of buying a new house versus an older property. House hunting, but unsure whether you should go for an older property or a new build? A Zoopla consumer expert weighs up the options by Vicky Shaw. Spring is a time when the housing market gets a fresh lease of life as buyers and sellers take the plunge. When house hunters are weighing up different properties... There are all sorts of considerations, such as the size, location and closeness to work or local schools. 
but something else which may be weighing on buyers' minds may be whether to buy a new-build home or an older property which has had previous owners. To help house hunters decide, Daniel Copley, a consumer expert at property website Zoopla, weighs up some potential advantages of both options. Why buy a new build? Number one, save money on your bills. New-build homes can be more energy-efficient, making them cheaper to heat and run. Newer homes often have better insulation, may be double or triple glazed, and also have the advantage of a more modern boiler, which can help homeowners to save cash. Number two, peace of mind. Most new builds come with warranties, says Copley, so you won't have to fork out for major structural repairs. Remember also that all white goods will be brand new when you move into a new build, which means they're less likely to break, be more efficient to run and will be under warranty, he adds. This includes fridges, freezers, cookers, hobs, dishwashers and washing machines. Make sure you get any warranty documents from the builder when you move in. Copley still suggests at least carrying out a snagging survey, generally costing a few hundred pounds, which can be used to spot any minor defects such as chipped worktops or to alert you to bigger potential issues such as electrics and plumbing. Number three, added extras. Developers sometimes offer deals to help sell their homes, such as throwing in fixtures and fittings or upgraded white goods, says Copley. Many house builders offer even bigger incentives, especially during quieter periods, to help sell homes within their developments, helping them to hit their targets. Number four, buying schemes. The schemes available to help you own a new build may vary, depending on where you live in the UK. House builders may also offer their own schemes, so check out what is available from them. Number five, purchasing chain-free. If you're a first-time buyer or not selling another property, then you're not part of an onward chain, which means you can buy a new home at your own pace, says Copley. Number six, opportunity to customise. A massive advantage of purchasing a new build property is that you can tailor the property to your taste depending on what stage that build is at when you pay your deposit. Copley adds this could also mean you spend less money on decorating or renovating. While new build properties have their advantages, there are also benefits to buying pre-existing properties. Why buy an older home? Number one, more character. Whilst a period home may require restoration and investment, the rewards of lovingly bringing original features back to life is immense, says Copley. Number two, Being able to track your property over time and see how its price has changed. Tracking the history of your home allows you to see how it's increased in value and to view old listing photos from previous sales in recent years, says Copley. Number three, buying a tried and tested property. With a new built home, it may feel hard to visualise what the property would eventually be like to live in, particularly if it's not yet completed or unfurnished. But with a second-hand home which already has occupants, this may be much easier. The existing owner may be also able to tell you how the property has suited their needs, which can be useful when working out how you may want to adapt it. Number four, more chance of an established garden. Ideally, your garden will have already been well-loved and cared for by its previous owners, reducing the need to stock up on new plants and shrubs at the garden centre. Of course... If the previous owners weren't green-fingered or neglected their outdoor space, then money may be needed to sp- spent to put the right. 5. A central location. 
Older properties tend to be in more central locations within towns and cities, so nearer to conveniences such as schools, shops and transport links, says Copley. And finally, number six, potential to add value. This could be in the form of aesthetic improvements to give a fresh look, such as painting or bigger scale additions, such as knocking through walls to create bigger spaces or even extending out or up into the loft, says Copley. If you're considering buying a doer-upper, it may be worth getting a selection of quotes beforehand so you can work out whether it's worth it. Unsold loaves to be repurposed as frozen garlic bread. Two North London Marks and Spencer branches will begin to sell unsold fresh bakery loaves repurposed as frozen garlic bread. The shops in Hampstead and Enfield will sell the frozen bread from £1 as part of a scheme to reduce food waste and help shoppers with their cost of living. At the end of each day, unsold baguettes and boules, baked in store daily, are prepared and filled with garlic butter, sold with an extended shelf life of 30 days. Shoppers will now have the choice of San Francisco sourdough garlic bread for £3 and West Country cheddar and Red Leicester garlic cob £3, alongside the existing choices of garlic baguette, £1 single pack or £2 twin packs, and a boule, £2.50. Bernard Pereira, manager at M&S Hampstead, said, By getting creative, we found a way to extend shelf life and create delicious products for our customers at great value too. GP surgery remains closed. A doctor's surgery in Enfield has been shut for more than three months, forcing patients to travel further to see their GP. Grenoble Gardens Surgery in Grenoble Gardens was shut after Christmas due to structural issues. This has forced patients to travel to Groveland's Medical Centre in Groveland's Road, about a mile away from Grenoble Gardens, for appointments. A petition against the closure has now been launched, gathering almost 600 signatures. There is currently no confirmation as to when Grenoble Garden Surgery will reopen or if work has begun to fix the structural issues. A spokesperson for North Central London Integrated Care Board, which oversees GP surgeries in the area, said, Grenoble Garden Surgery has suffered from some structural issues with the building that houses the surgery. This has resulted in a temporary closure of the practice while assessments of the building's safety are made. And now to a forthcoming event. Googly's Jazz Club, Thursdays from 7pm. Botany Bay Cricket Club, East Lodge Lane, Enfield, EN2 8AS. One of the most popular jazz clubs in North London. Live jazz every Thursday featuring the UK's finest jazz musicians. We are celebrating our 21st anniversary this year. Entry is £10 for members, £12 for non-members. Call 0208-350-3541. That's 0208-350-3541. Or email googlysjazz at btinternet.com or visit googlysjazz.co.uk. Rugby. Back row is player's choice. Rennie rewarded at Enfield Ignatians. 
Ewan Rennie capped another great season by capturing the Edenfield Ignatian Players' Player Award for the second consecutive year, following a string of bonanza performances for the Blue and Golds in the 2022-23 season, writes John Landy. The all-action back rower impressed with his dynamism, which found its most eloquent expression in his work rate, mobility around the field and prowess in the line-out. He also proved very adept at poaching opposition ball in this area. Having come up through the ranks of the Ignatians youth system, Rennie also played age-grained county rugby in the blue and white of Middlesex, and he is a fine advertisement for homegrown talent. It proved quite an evening for the Rennie family, as Mother Emma, who helps run the club shop in addition to supporting the rugby ambitions of her sons, proved a popular winner of the Club Person of the Year accolade. Head coach Jack Wilson said, Ewan is an excellent player who consistently performs at a high level. His skill set and rugby intelligence are up there with the best in the squad. Club stalwart Frank Antwi was the coach's player of the year. Another to keep his standards high, he too impressed with his versatility, having covered a number of positions in the pack. Wilson added, Frank had a very good season and he stepped up for the team in a number of positions, having covered at four, second row, six, blindside flanker, and eight, number eight. The most improved award was the subject of a dead heat with two players... Callum Middleton and Nathaniel Clark, both winning trophies in this area. Ken Carroll, having stepped up to the plate both on and off the field, was given a special mention for his sterling work at first and second team level. The backline prowess of Dan Redling in, of Dan Redding ensured his award as his second team player of the season. And now some football news. Uh, promotion playoff dream ends in loss at Leaders. Enfield Town hopes shattered at Stortford. Enfield Town saw their Ishmian League Premier Division playoff hopes shattered by Leaders Bishop Stortford at the weekend. And they will end the campaign with a home game against Averley, who remain in the thick of the battle for promotion on Saturday. Town were without... Adam Cunnington, due to an injury, picked up a week earlier, while James Richmond missed out with illness. Nathan MacDonald made two early saves as the hosts attacked in front of an expectant crowd, while Decane Wilson Braithwaite denied Frankie Merrifield. But Town fell behind on 35 minutes when Darren Foxley's corner evaded everyone and found the net. The visitors came out for the second half in determined mood and were back on level terms after just two minutes. Shea Isaac's through ball found Michael Bakari, who showed great composure to round Jake Giddens and find the back of the net, ending Stortford's run of six matches without conceding. Town were on the front foot for a good 15-minute spell after that equaliser and Sam Young's headed just over from a corner. But Stortford regained the lead just before the hour mark through Anthony Church, following a long throw-in to start a burst of three goals in 13 minutes. Merrifield fired just over before Foxley sent a thumping header past McDonald to make it 3-1 on 65 minutes. 
and another long throw by town old boy Matt Johnson was only half cleared on 71 minutes before being returned back into the box for Ryan Charles to volley home. Defeat left town four points off fifth place in seventh, with nothing but pride to now play for on the last day of the campaign this weekend. Essex senior league leaders Enfield welcome Redbridge to the R&D Advisors UK Stadium in their penultimate match of the campaign on Thursday. And they could go into the match as champions after second place Motormen, already five points behind, lost 2-0 at Athletic Newham on Monday. Enfield were due to visit bottom club Southend Manor uh, Tuesday, last Tuesday, and a win would have clinched the title with two games to spare. White Enzyme are the visitors for Enfield's last game of the season on Saturday. Enfield Borough drew 0-0 at Newbury Forest on Monday to start a busy final week in Thurlow Nunn League Division 1 South. They visit Barkingside on Wednesday, Cannonswood on Thursday and host St Margaretsbury on Saturday before a trip to Wivenhoe Town on Tuesday, April the 25th. Moving on to Better Health by Glenn Stewart, Assistant Director of Public Health, Enfield. A walk a day keeps the doctor away. But why do some people find it so difficult to exercise when everyone knows physical activity is good for us? The evidence of the health benefits of physical activity keep accumulating. This week, another study reported that even meeting half the recommended level of moderate activity would prevent 10% of deaths. That is to say, an everyday 10-minute walk that raises your heartbeat and breathing, but not so much that you can't talk, will extend your life. If physical activity is so good for us, it is an interesting debate as to why we frequently find it so difficult to actually just do it, as a famous sports brand might say. Some have argued that the problem is in our genes. For millions of years of evolution, getting calories was both difficult and fraught with danger. Within our hunter-gatherer past, humans were rather fragile compared to most animals we hunted, and even gathering would have risked predation, bites and stings that could have proven fatal pre-healthcare. It is interesting to note that whilst we're often encouraged to be more active, people will do the opposite for hours on end without any encouragement whatsoever. This was not an issue when we had no option but to hunt or gather, But today, surrounded by labour-saving devices, it is perfectly possible to spend all day watching TV with the occasional foray into the kitchen for refreshments. Evidence that we have evolved not to move unless necessary is very difficult to establish, and academics have scratched their heads over what would support or disprove the idea. However, the implications are profound. If we have evolved not to be active wherever possible, despite how beneficial it may be, then we probably need to build it into our daily lives so that it is done automatically. Funnily enough, people who have dogs are more active than cat lovers. It also has political and personal implications. For the person, it may mean recognising that we have an innate slothfulness and that we need to make a conscious effort to overcome it. For governments, it may mean that if they want to realise the benefits of physical activity for citizens and the NHS, etc., 
they may may need to put more emphasis on designing environments that might make activity easy, convenient and pleasant. Care Home Residents Visit School Hugh Middleton House Care Home in Southgate has teamed up with Merry Hills Primary School for an intergenerational project connecting residents with local school children. Residents of Hugh Middleton House, run by Barchester Healthcare, were delighted to be invited to visit Merry Hills Primary School. Residents travelled in the home's minibus and were greeted by a group of students and teachers from Merry Hills Primary, who laid on a lovely tea party to celebrate Easter. Afterwards they chatted and residents shared their childhood memories of Easter. The Enfield project began during lockdown and encouraged students from local schools to get creative and reach out to older people in their community by sending letters and pictures. So it was wonderful for them to meet in person and make friends as part of an intergenerational scheme. Jade Shea, general manager at Hugh Middleton House, said, Residents have really enjoyed sharing their stories with young people So many have incredible tales and they love hearing the adventures of the students. The students seem to really enjoy their time together too. They were sad when it was time to go back to class and asked if they could stay longer. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07 Eight nine nine eight five four five eight two. That's zero seven eight nine nine eight five four five eight two. She is your listeners' representative and will be pleased to help you. We've reached the end of our program for this week. Thank you for listening. So, from the team of Sarah, Joel, and Mary, and Hassan Bill on the control, it's. Bye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. Don't forget, you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper. And I'll just uh, give you Diane's number once again, 07 Eight nine nine eight five four five eight two zero seven eight nine nine eight five four five eight two.